It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hey, good morning, folks. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host and one of the advisors on the show, along with my fellow financial advisors and business partners over at Corhorn Financial Group, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Yeah, Mike, we're really just revved up today to take on the age-old financial Uh, question, uh, should you buy or lease a vehicle? So, you know, what's your preference and which one makes more sense financially? And it's there's a lot of things to unwind here and explore and discover about whether I should buy or lease. So uh, we're just going to motor right through it, right? The auto puns will be out today, I think, folks. So pay attention. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, this is your show. If you want us to talk about something else or you're experiencing something, going through something in your financial life or a quote unquote friend is going through and you've got questions about it, we want to help you. We want this show to help you. So reach out to us, 574-222-2000, or go to wisemoneyradio.com, submit your question that way as well. Lastly, join the conversation on Facebook, at Wise Money Radio. You can submit a question that way, or follow the blog, or quote of the week, question of the week, all that sort of stuff. We want to invite you to uh, participate in that way. So, All right, as Kevin alluded to, we are kicking off today's show with a question from Karen. Here's what she asked. I'm in need of a new vehicle and not sure whether to buy or lease. My existing car isn't worth much in trade-in, and I don't have a lot of money to put down on my next car. Is it smarter just to lease a car since it will be a lower payment and less risk of maintenance? I This is a great question, and it's one that I don't think we cover often enough. Uh, it seems like maybe we've we've had a similar question one other time. and Early on, I think. Early I, on. I seem to remember Mike getting that question answer wrong yeah if we you know put if we put things in reverse and go way back i'm sorry (laughs) i'm sorry this is gonna be painful Uh, i did probably get the answer wrong but we're gonna have uh, i'll have another chance today that's right see if you get it wrong again but uh no in in all reality you know we could approach uh this question from you karen thank you for sending it in by the way we we could look at it generically and kind of talk through what type of strategy we would recommend if you were just purely a blank slate and you had five to seven years to plan ahead. But it sounds like this is a fairly urgent decision that's on the horizon here. And that's how all financial decisions are, right? I mean, there's there's a context here. There's your current reality. It, it is what it is. And now we've got to kind of find our, our footing moving forward. And um, since you don't have, you know, a big pile of cash to put down on a, a purchase, that's okay. What I would want you to think of, though, is maybe several moves down the road here. Mm. Um, Not just how do I handle this particular car purchase, but how do you come up with a game plan or a strategy for car purchases for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Because this won't be the last car that you either lease or or purchase or anything. And um, in fact, um, I mean, it could be many more vehicles. Even if you were approaching retirement, it it may not be the last uh, time that you have to make this decision. So I would encourage you to think about this 
um, as a permanent problem to solve. Hmm. You know, transportation is a permanent need, just like you need to have a game plan for putting the right groceries in the pantry every week. Um, and so you, you need to have a cash flow solution to this permanent problem. Okay. And the, the, the way that you do that is by looking at this, not just in the context of this one situation, but how do we get you in a position where the next car purchase is even easier than this one? Mm-hmm. And the one after that is even easier yet. And we create an upward spiral. That's the story problem that we want to solve today. Yeah. Well, but at the same time, so, so that's for you, Karen, and for anyone else, but this question has come up often. Everyone kind of deals with this. If you're if you're in the market for needing a vehicle, you've got to make a decision whether you buy or lease. And Josh is talking about, let's take that conversation to a higher level and talk about what's your strategy with vehicles. We'll get back to that. But everyone's financial life has, you know, it's circumstantial, right? So you could have a neighbor and you may say, yeah, we're very similar financially. However, what's right for them financially might not be what's right for you. When it comes to a car decision, buying or leasing, what are the types of circumstances that influence or factors that influence whether someone should immediately consider buying or leasing? That's a great question, Mike. I talked to a good friend who was very involved in the car business, and he said a a well-run dealership in this area is is leasing between 35 to 40% of their cars uh, or their vehicles. And... Um, in his opinion, it could be 50% of the people that are going to get into a car um, that should be leasing. Hmm. So that that's a car guy's opinion. Okay. And I found it interesting because, the, you know, the question, should I buy or lease? If, 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 if the question is that simple, should I buy or lease? Then I would, um, I would I'd give you another question. Should I buy a truck or a car? Hmm. So how do you answer that one? So you, so it, it, what everyone wants is they want it to be simple, and simple is well, don't ever lease or don't ever buy, and and so personally, I'm neutral on the whole thing. I think if another pun, nicely done. <clears throat> well, no, I <laughs> mean if you <laughs> that one by Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I I think uh, of of leasing or buying. I think of it as a tool. So again, I don't go to my toolbox and say I love the hammer and I hate the ratchet set. I say, look, if I need to drive a nail, I want to use a hammer. I, I try not to use my uh, ratchet, whatever that's called, to, to <laughs> hit the nail. I, cause, because eventually it's the, it's the wrong use and I'm going to damage but if you're But if you're neutral then, what are the factors that someone listening would need to be attentive to to know whether that pendulum should swing towards leasing or buying? I, one of them, I think, is miles. One of my issues with leases is there are some limitations. And, and one of those is, well, if you drive too many miles, we're going to charge you. We're going to charge you a lot. And so uh, if, you're, if you have to drive a lot of miles, you either need to find the right lease that will allow you to do that without financially penalizing you. Or I wonder if leasing isn't a good idea if you're driving a lot of miles. Sure. Certainly you could talk about that in the, in the context of business use or business ownership of a car. If I'm going to put, um, you know, I was meeting with a client a couple of weeks ago. And on their work vehicles, they put a couple hundred, a couple hundred thousand miles on those vehicles. So their best bet is to buy the vehicle and take mileage. Because, by, yeah. By far. Yeah. By, much better than actual expenses or, or any other route that you would be going as far as using this to expense it. So, but if you just had personal use of the car, 
and you still, you know, whether you're commuting to work or whatever your situation is, you have a lot of miles, that would probably rule out leasing. That you'd say, I don't, that's not the right tool to pull out of the toolbox. If family lived three miles away and you visit them often, right? Maybe a lease isn't a good idea. Wait, three? Did I say three hours? I thought you said three miles. I don't know. We'll have to rewind and reverse that tape. Go no, ahead, but Josh. you're right. Three hours. Yeah, if you had three th- hours. And you see them every weekend, right? Or, or you're traveling to to take care of mom and dad, yeah, uh, in Chicago or what have you. You know this this topic though of what factors influence what's the right decision. I, I feel like a lot of people get themselves boxed into a corner in their financial life, and they start limiting their options, and they they maybe are are forcing themselves into a situation where they make the decision on whether to lease or buy just purely on what fits into cash flow exactly. at the time. Exactly. Maybe they haven't been planning ahead. Obviously, the vehicle they've been driving driving has been dying a very slow and painful death one mile at a time. It's eventually going to quit running, and if they don't have a game plan for what they're going to do instead, uh, maybe the small payment, the allure of easy cash flow is what steers them into Uh, a car lease. And And that might not have been the best long-term decision for them. It's just, hey, this is a quick, easy solution. And that's what, that's what we did. Yeah. So that's where I would go back to. And that sounds a little bit like Karen's situation. But if you're listening today and you don't have a vehicle decision right on the horizon and you might be tempted to tune out here, no, I'd, I'd lean in because what Josh, I'd go back to what Josh said a moment ago. And that is, Hey, we're going to talk about car buying philosophy and and really your entire how you approach those sorts of decisions, which is much bigger than just making a a one time decision here. The other factor, and Kevin Kevin hit on it, but the other circumstance that you've got to consider is: Are you driving your vehicle for business? Are you a realtor? Do you drive people around in your own car? Some some companies force salespeople who are traveling around to have a car that's only a certain number of years old. Once it's over four years old, you got to get rid of that thing. So we're just starting to unpack this question of should you buy or lease? And I tell you folks, we're actually going to get into whether you should buy new or used, what type of loan to stretch out and all of that sort of stuff. So much more on the car buying decision, that entire process here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Good morning, folks. We're so glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. My name's Mike. I've got Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn in the MNC studio with me. Big thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program, where we're answering a question from Karen about, should you buy or lease a vehicle? Great question. Age-old question. We're tackling it today, folks. If you have a question or a comment, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call, 574-222-2000. Kevin, what was your dream car growing up? My dream car growing up is 68 Chevelle. Oh my goodness! Muscle car. Got a client who's got one. It keeps yeah. it restored. Yep. Nice. Yeah, I'm. Nice. Uh, so I'm uh, jealous. Actually, a '67 Camaro convertible. I saw one of those uh, out in California when I was in the army uh, on the strip when yeah. we used to cruise, and I thought that that may be the most beautiful car I've ever seen. 
Josh, what about you? Were you a car guy? Did you? Yeah, what? I was a big fan of the Ford Pinto. That was my favorite. That, I can't tell <laughs> no. if you're joking or not. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not I don't know. Serious. I mean, someone had someone bought those. They... No, I, I'd be a Corvette guy. Really? Yeah. Oh. If it was practical and you know that would be just purely fun. Casey, what's what's a dream car? What was a dream car for you? Oh man, so many. Um, I, I long time Mustang fan mm. and specific models of the Mustang in particular. And I, I owned one, had to sell it a couple of years ago. I was promised by the wife that I would have the new 5.0 Coyote engine when it came out. And it has been out for several years now. There's been a whole body restyling that has happened. I still do not have that car, and it frustrates me to no end. But a lot of muscle cars and, and uh, exotic cars. So financial goals. We all need financial goals. And, and, and so the point of this show, folks, okay, so my dream car growing up was a Jeep. And I actually heard someone talking about these, you know, good character traits of this person. Oh, they're tall and they're handsome and they own a Jeep. Like that was this positive, <laughs> right? But to me, that resonates because that was that was my car growing up. And so uh, we're talking about how to make a good, a smart, even wise car decision and whether you should buy or lease. Cars, like houses, are, can be emotional purchases. And because they are a depreciating asset, most of them, meaning when you buy it, it's worth something less the next day and the next year and so on. It's an asset that doesn't grow in value. It can be a very, very tricky purchase in your financial life. So the question on the table, and we're going to get into others, kind of subset of this car decision. The question on the table is, should you buy or lease, guys? Let's let's have it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm personally very biased towards a purchase. Okay. Buying buying the car, not leasing the car. And that's as a guy who in college did lease a vehicle. I got to my sophomore year and my, my first car died on me. Turns out you had to keep oil in the engine. Seized up on me. I thought that was year. fake news. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and uh, learned that one the hard way. And So, you know, I'm, I'm here in college between my, uh, I think, freshman and sophomore year. No wheels, no money. So what did I do? I went and leased. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know any better. Uh, it was really about the only option to me, it felt like at the time. And I wanted to drive something uh, more reliable, you know, a little bit nicer, that kind of thing. I mean, you're hitting these arguments. I don't have a lot of money for a down payment. I don't have a lot of money for a monthly payment. And I want something low maintenance. I mean, those that those are the practical reasons why someone would consider a lease. So then why? What? what well, yeah, and I, and my, my question is, so you why did you feel like you didn't have an option? Uh, just because I hadn't prepared, you know, okay. I my vehicle had been paid for. I'd been driving it for free, other than you know the insurance and uh, brakes and things like that. A few oh, bucks the, on and, oil would have oil. Uh, <laughs> you know stretched the vehicle a little further, but well, it is what it is. So, right? so why do you say that's such a bad decision now, looking back on it? Because those are very real factors that I think apply to a lot of the listening audience. See, for us, it it didn't end up being a bad decision because at the end of the lease, I had driven this car so few miles, the residual value was better than what, you know, the residual purchase would be, or the purchase price to just buy the thing out. In fact, when I went into the dealership to, to do this, it was like they didn't even know how to do it. it. There was this big ordeal. How do you buy out a lease? You know, no one does that. Yeah. Um, and so they, they did figure it out. We bought it and my wife ended up driving that for many, many years. We got a lot of life out of that vehicle, but that's why it turned out to be a good decision because we drove it so long. Mm. We we got to the point where we could drive this vehicle without a payment and save up for the next car. You know what? So if I could just jump in, that I I'm not 
I, I know there are a, a lot of very passionate views on this, uh, on both sides of this question. I'm not real passionate about this answer. It sounds like Josh is. I would defer to buying, and it's for that reason um, that if you're looking at replacing your car every two to three years, you can't buy. You you just can't. That just seems you un- can't buy new. You can't buy new. That just you seems- absolutely could buy used. Well, that's and true, and you I, might need could- to. You might need to replace your car that often because of maintenance. But wait, if so you're you- looking at buying a vehicle and owning it for a long period of time, ten years or so. To me, you're much better off financially buying, which is, that's my approach to vehicles, is to buy, buy a used car, and then hold it for 10 years, for a long time. Drive it till the wheels fall off, quote unquote. That's my approach. So why can't you, why can't you buy a new car every two or three years? Well, some people can. Yeah, I suppose you can, but as far as, I guess this is a financial show, we're talking about, would that make a lot of financial sense? It just seems like buying new you're paying for that premium to have new okay and then it depreciates the most in those first couple of years or at least traditionally it that's been the pattern mm-hmm. and then to sell it and then buy another new paying that new premium i think you're 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 giving up a significant amount of financial capital that's the now. issue to me if you think of this as a lifetime pattern it is leasing every two or three years throughout your whole life, is that the pattern that's going to lead towards better and better financial success? Or is buying new every few years going to? Or is the most ideal way to drive a vehicle from a purely financial standpoint, is it to buy a car that's three or four years old, drive it for as many years as you can, and then repeat the process again, buying a nicer and nicer vehicle every single time? To me, that is the pattern that is maybe it's not foolproof because there's a lot of things that can interrupt the the process here. But um, to, to me, that's that's the ideal that I would want to be, uh, you know, sending out to all of our listeners. That's the one that I would want you adopting into your own philosophy on cars. And if you've tried that before or if you've heard that and said, that doesn't apply to me, I can't really do that. Yes, you can, because I've seen it. I've had this discussion hundreds of times with folks and you just slowly change the habits and start saying, well, I'm going to set aside 50 bucks a month automatically into a car account or a hundred dollars. And it eventually builds up where you can buy a 5,000 or $6,000 car. And then you keep building and then you can buy that $10,000 car. You can do it and write and write a check for your next vehicle purchase. The problem is people don't maintain that placeholder in the monthly budget. See, I do it automatically in every single month. So there's really no question about it. I have folks, I have, I think it's $300. I, it's not, I think it's $300 a month. It actually comes out weekly. I don't have to make a decision. It's automatic. It goes right into the car account. That's the right way to do it right there. And Many people though, they, they'll go get the car loan and that might be the corner that Karen's kind of backed into right now. I don't have the money saved up to just pay cash for a vehicle. So I need to go get a loan and She's going to drive that vehicle until the car is paid off, hopefully. But then what? Mm-hmm. Then is it like, oh, finally that car's, breathe. you know, the payment's gone. I can finally start working a little bit more fun into the cash flow. Or do you say, no, that is a placeholder. I'm going to keep on making that payment now to myself and I'm stockpiling cash for the next vehicle. Well, for sure that needs to be a placeholder. And I, my rule of thumb is that for any vehicle I own, I'm setting aside a hundred dollars a month. Because for maintenance, just just to keep it on the road, and you say, well, really, you don't need that, and you're right, you don't need it for nine months, and and month ten, you you take your car in because the lights on, and they say, oh, by the way, uh, we need to 
replace the Fitzer valve and the muffler bearings and a few of these other things. <laughs> that and, joke never gets old, by the way. I, I know, and, and so I'm starting to believe that you really think those are actual parts, though. Yeah. So, um, so that inevitably that's going to happen, and you have to be prepared. And so, if if you have a three hundred dollar a month car payment, and when that ends, keep that going. Set aside a hundred dollars for maintenance and two hundred for the next car forever. Well, and that's a principle that applies beyond just owning a car, too. Think about home ownership. How many people spend too much on a house and they're strapped for cash because every spare dollar has got to go to funding the payment each month and they don't have the dollars for the upkeep, the maintenance, the repair, the improvements, all of that. Yeah, good point. So this is much bigger than just a car, just a one-time car decision. It's a car philosophy, but it also transit or, or permeates. I was going to use another pun there, transitions into other areas of your financial life. Folks, we're not done talking about the lease or buy because we also need to continue on the buy new or used and loan trends and all of that. So much, much more coming up here on Wise Money with Horhorn Financial Group, 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Good morning, folks. Thanks for joining us here on the Wise Money Show, Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on 95.3 MNC. My name's Mike. I've got Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory and Casey Hendrickson in the MNC studio with me. Thanks to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett, with Remax 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. Today, we're talking about whether you should buy or lease a vehicle. That age-old question that, at least here in the Midwest, we've all got to answer at some point or usually every couple years in our financial life. How do you make that decision um, in context of your overall financial life? How do you make a wise decision there? If you have a question or comment, reach out to us, either at Facebook, at Wise Money Radio, or online, wisemoneyradio.com. Or by phone, 574-222-2000. All right, so we've been talking about whether you should buy a car uh, or lease a car. And we're going to talk about newer used and so on. But Casey was saying at break, one of the most commonly um, Googled or searched questions online is what are the reasons why, you know, why should you lease a car? Kevin pulled up that list. I think we're even going to have it on the blog. But Kevin, so... Why, sh- why should someone consider leasing? What's well, the list? Well, the first one you've already hit upon a little bit here, Mike, but when you need a vehicle for your business. So. Okay. I, my rebuttal to that one would just simply be, again, that a lot of times financially it still makes sense, even for a business, to purchase a vehicle. And there's more than one way to take tax deductions on, on these vehicles. Some people really favor the lease because it's just easy to write off the actual expenses of the vehicle. But uh, you can also you know, take depreciation or you can uh, count mileage. So buying a vehicle can still make a ton of sense for e- even a, a small business owner. I would agree with that too. Sure. Good. So that's the uh, yin and the yang has been heard from. So number two, <laughs> when dealers roll out leasing giveaway deals. So, because really what the, the car manufacturers want to do is sell new cars so they can tinker with the terms to make it with residual value and other things so that a lease is a screaming good deal. Mm. So, 
There you go. Uh, number three, and it kind of ties into number two, when lease payments are lower than the loan payment on a purchase. Completely disagree, folks. Right. I, I, yeah. So, I, so, in a, and so where, where I would take that is we talked about seven in 10 people don't have $1,000 in their emergency cash reserve. Yeah. So my car died. All I have is cash flow. I don't have cash reserves. I'm going to the car dealership. And this is where I'd say you really, really, really want to do your homework ahead of time because it's it's tricky to make an emotional purchase. So. But, but, it, but then in that context, I think your options then are to buy a used vehicle that's maybe eight years old, three grand or five grand or something like that, maybe a 10-year-old vehicle, or lease because it'd be a lower monthly payment. But but an, a, a, an option wouldn't be to lease the new 2017 Silverado or something like that. I mean, if, if, you're, if you right. don't have the $1,000 if financially, right. things are tight. Yeah. So your lease but, payment needs to be... Two hundred bucks, not seven hundred bucks. Exactly. To your point. Right. Exactly. Right. So, and 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 that can make some sense. And I would resolve if that's my situation. I'm finding myself where I don't have a thousand dollars in cash, and I and I'm kind of at the mercy of whatever deal the car dealership will give me. That's a that's not a great spot to be in. Yeah. And I would resolve that this is the last time you're going to do it that way. And I don't know if you've ever had a a problem or an issue with a habit or a behavior and you said I'm this is the last time I'm going to do that right this is these are the last cookies I'm going to ever eat or whatever it is um <laughs> I don't know if you've ever kind of fallen off that and said no I find myself doing that again but really this is where we would encourage folks work with your financial planner work with your certified financial planner to get some a program a process like Joshua was talking about what is my philosophy and how do I implement that philosophy so hopefully if you're listening right now you are you are encouraged that hey I'm doing the right thing or you're motivated inspired to start doing the right thing still you know close to the beginning of the year it's still time to you know get a good fresh start here so last week's blog was about Good habits. It was a great. It was a great article. Go to Wise Wise Money Radio on Facebook to check out the blog or WiseMoneyRadio.com. And I can tell you, it was a great article because I didn't write it. I usually write them, <laughs> but this was just an intro and then a link to a great article about new habits. But but continue, okay. Kevin. Yeah. So number four, when the need for a car is only temporary. So if I just yeah. uh, move to town and I know that I'm going to take an, an overseas assignment in two years or three years. Um, I know, that may make sense. Yeah, I know for clients that, that move to China, they the, their company assigns them a driver. They're not allowed to drive in China. Or if you're a woman and you're taking an assignment in Saudi Arabia, or uh, they're, they're all different types of... That's still tough, though, because you're counting on the timing of the lease to expire at exactly the right point where you no longer need the vehicle. It, it seems unlikely that those planets are going to align just perfectly. It's po- it's possible that they don't, but but the advantage to leasing is that I've locked in my loss. I know I know exactly what it will be, and and I don't have at some point in time. Now I've got to sell a car, and if you're not great at selling cars, um, if you don't do it for a living, you 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 might not be great at doing it or very. Effective. That is the fundamental problem, though, right? I mean, many people hate buying cars, they hate selling cars, and so they want an easy button. And in many ways, a a lease is an easy button. It's just, hey, all I have to do is just go find the right payment, find the right vehicle that fits 
in my life and, and I'm off to the races. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's really the pattern that you want to establish in your life. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's an interesting angle, though. And there, and there may be, in, in your situation, maybe you should hit the easy button. There are times when you should hit the easy button. Um, and then the, the, the fifth one, which we've already mentioned as well, if your cars turn over quickly, uh, if you need, if there's a reason why you have to have a newer car, mm-hmm. um, then then you would do that. Okay, since, we're, since we've made this discuss, discussion bigger than just buy or lease, I want to talk about some of the current trends in this auto decision. And one, in fact, Casey just brought up uh, recently on his show, um, so a c- couple trends, then we can speak to them and then and then wrap wrap this up because we've got other listening questions to hit. But one is that Cadillac has come out with their um, well, I can't even remember what you called it. Their their program. It's like a membership club. Basically, a, a club where you pay a set amount each month. That right now it's at the luxury level, so fifteen hundred a month. But you can get a vehicle up to eighteen times a year. I'm not going to quote all the specifics, but it's. It's pretty fascinating that they turn your vehicle decision into just a subscription, much like your cell phone and other things, where you can trade it in, you can swap it out, all your miles, all your uh, insurance, everything is baked into that monthly subscription cost. So that's one trend. Very interesting to see where that goes. Another trend is these driverless cars, the Uber and self-driving cars like Google that's crashing and everything, and those sorts of things. That'll (laughs) shake up the industry. And then one other one that I'm that that I would throw out there is I'm seeing a trend of longer and longer auto loan terms that are stretching seven years. I mean, I remember ten years ago where a five year loan on a vehicle seemed very very risky. Now seven eight years are kind of the norm. So very interesting trends. I don't know if you guys want to speak to any well, of those. Well, I think it not. emphasizes that many people are looking at car purchases just purely from a cash flow decision. What's going to fit in the budget, right? Yeah. And boy, if the if the car price just keeps on going up and my cash flow hasn't uh, kept pace with that, then I have to uh, stretch the payment further and further just to keep the, the payment, you know, fitting within the, the monthly cash flow. Yeah. So one other trend that I would point out, though, and this is a, a very positive one that many people don't give enough attention to, and that is cars are just built better these days. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be everyone quoted 100,000 miles. You know, once I cross 100,000 miles, I better get rid of this thing because it's just a ticking time bomb. And and I, I think that actually that mentality maybe causes people to get rid of vehicles sooner than what they really need to. Because you can have a hundred thousand mile, you can have a hundred and fifty thousand mile car that is still very reliable if it's been maintained over time. So I, I'd be cautious also of uh, the lifespan that you project onto vehicles these days. They're they're living a whole lot longer than what you even realize. Yeah, it's gotten a little boring because when when you can get two hundred thousand miles out of a car, you're driving that thing forever. Yeah, it's it's the same car, the same car, the same car. But you're absolutely right. Uh, cars are made much better, and that way, if you're funding the ongoing maintenance piece of it, uh, there's no reason why that car isn't going two or three hundred thousand miles and lasting ten or fifteen years. We're gonna wrap up the car decision here in just a moment, and then we've got a couple other questions, especially one about whether this Trump rally is sustainable in the stock market. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, 95.3 MNC.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. My name's Mike. I've got Kevin and Josh with me in the MNC studios. Thanks for joining us this morning. We've been talking about your car buying philosophy or car leasing philosophy. Should you buy? Should you lease? All stemming from a question from Karen. We've got a couple other questions we want to hit today. But before we go too far, let's just wrap up this whole car discussion and, and set you on your right next step if, uh, if you're facing one of these decisions soon. Well, I think the, the philosophy that we've tried to convey today, at least our thinking, is that we would prefer to see people get into a pattern of buying vehicles on an ongoing basis to cover what really is a permanent need in their financial life. You have to have transportation in this day and age, especially if you're living in the Midwest where everything's spread out. You've got to drive places to get to work and to get to all your functions and everything. The issue, though, is... When does having a, a basic vehicle cross over from being a need to now it's a want? You know, uh, maybe buying a new vehicle uh, is where it switches from being need to want. Having extra amenities, more luxury type vehicle instead of a, a you know, basic transportation. You hopefully are making this type of decision in the context of your overall financial reality right now. And if if the reality is, uh, going back to Karen's question, she needs to get transportation. Does it need to be a new vehicle? Does she need to drive something that you know still has all of its warranty and everything like that? Or does that become more of a want? Is that taking it above uh, what, what the actual need is? There are some folks out there who have all of their needs handled just fine. They've got the cash flow or the, the wealth to be able to buy a want every two or three years. They could buy a brand new luxury vehicle every few years and it fits mm -hmm. because their needs are, are met. And in, in their case, you know, do we, um, do, do we look down on them for uh, spending some money on some wants and getting a little bit more than, than a need? No, it's, it's their basic situation. So make your decision in the context of what your reality is, not what your neighbor's reality is or your mom and dad uh, or your boss. Uh, pick it based on what's appropriate for you. And and best yet, consult with someone who's unemotional. Because as we already talked about our dream cars, cars are emotional purchases. Talk to someone who can provide objective financial advice in your situation. We would call those folks certified financial planners. So there's strong opinions on both sides here. I look forward to reading your <laughs> your emails. Uh, so So join <laughs> the conversation. Uh, but, uh, all right, we've got a couple more questions here to hit. The next one is from Brian. He's from South Bend. He says, my wife and I are expecting our first child in June of 2017. Congratulations. And we had a friend of ours mention that we should get a will in place. We don't have one yet. And, uh, with all of our expenses of having a baby, I'm not sure if we should do that now or whether we should wait. What do you guys suggest? You know, interesting. The, the problem with spending money on a will is it's not nearly as fun as getting the nursery <laughs> set up and all the cool baby gear that they have. And I mean, there's a million things that you could spend money on when you're starting the family, adding kids to, to your household. And I, I can tell you from experience, a few years down the road, you're going to be giving it away, throwing it away, you know, 
garage sale on the stuff, whatever. Um, this stuff is going to have a limited shelf life in, in your family. Um, so, so be careful of just how much you think you need to spend on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially when, it, if you think about it, your little bundle of joy is going to be pooping and peeing and spitting up all over this stuff, right? All those were, those were great days. That's, yeah. <laughs> fond memories, right? Yes. <laughs> That's the reality. So, but on the other hand, having a will, this is one of the only places that you get to plan ahead for the the unfortunate event that we hope and pray never occurs, and that is that you and your spouse uh, pass away prematurely while your kids are still being raised. Who is going to take over that responsibility? Who's going to be plan B for you if tragedy did strike? Yeah, it's a common phrase, but the reason why a will was brought up here, Brian, is because you you list your guardian for any minor children in your will. A lot of times people think a will is just to pass on your stuff. And if you're a young couple, you might not have a lot of stuff to pass on. You might be renting your house. You might be leasing your car, and it's not even yours to pass on. And you might not have much in the bank. But once you have a child, you've got a child to pass on, and you're going to want to name a guardian. So I I absolutely would tell you now is a good time to, to do that. And if you don't have a name picked out, or you think you might have a couple kids and you say, well, I, we can't do that until we've got all of the family built. No, you can list certain language in there that says all future children of husband and wife. Were I you, thought you were about to suggest that Michael would be a good name there or something. <laughs> you were lobbying or something, but yeah, you, you I, I was when, when Casey's uh, wife was, they were expecting their second. I was, I was lobbying for the baby name there. Yeah. I, was, I thought Casey Jr. would have been a good, <laughs> good name for a girl. <laughs> That's not funny. So I think one of the things that you said, though, Mike, is, um, you know, name the guardian. And a lot of times that's a showstopper because oh, yeah, it, it, if you're if you're younger or newer in the marriage, you may not be able to agree on who that should be. And I would I would just suggest naming uh, the wrong person is better than not having anyone named. Exactly. And so yeah. it's interesting because Josh, you're talking about if you know you register and you say, "Hey, these are all the things that I want to have to have in place before the baby gets here." And there, there's nowhere on the register where you can say, "I I want a will. I want right. someone to cover that." But they should do that. <clears throat> they should do it. Be a good gift. Come on, grandparents. It would be. There's a, an idea. A fantastic gift. A, a very practical gift. So what do you get for the couple that has everything? Uh, if your family, you could say you, that could be a suggestion. One last function that uh, the will can cover for you is just simply to decide not only who's going to take care of the kids that are left behind, but the money that's going to be managed for them. If there's life in, insurance. In, this is now a time to consider life insurance as well, for that's sure. That's right. But inside of that uh, that will, you can set up a trust to have the money managed for their benefit until they're old enough to take over that responsibility. And, and you'd have to pick a trustee as well, a very crucial role also. Yeah. Okay, we've got one other question we got to get to today. This is Judy from South Bend. She's 58. Here's her question. Are we supposed to believe this Trump rally in the stock market is for real, or will it be coming crashing down just as quickly as it rose? What do you guys think? We talked about this a couple weeks ago a little bit regarding you know the 2016 market recap, 2017, what to expect. Listen, the market's volatile right now. And, and something Kevin said in that show uh, really has stood out to me since that discussion. And that is, hey, we could have had the same rally regardless of, uh, of who was elected. Okay. And so um, I, I don't know. I, I, wouldn't, 
I wouldn't put money on or set expectations that, hey, this thing's going to come crashing down. So I need to have those emotions, those expectations drive my financial decisions at something such high stakes as where your money's invested. I agree with you. And that's actually why I think it's the wrong question to be asking. The the, the question should be, do you believe in the long-term benefits of staying invested through the ups and the downs? Because we're going to have ups and downs. Well, that question's no fun, Josh. Come on. Come on. Yeah, so I mean, it makes this big picture. Well, we can prognosticate, and uh, if if I were going to guess, I, I think the stock market's going, the S and P five hundred is going to be up twelve percent, twelve percent again this year. Yeah. Who knows? But who knows? We don't know. So Josh is absolutely right. It's it, this, and uh, this isn't. Don't take this personally, Judy. But it's the wrong question to ask. Do you believe in the long term benefits of owning equities? And if you do, what? Those equities, the behavior of those equities in the short term doesn't really matter because in the short term, the stock market is completely irrational. Well, the other thing I'd mentioned that we we put on full display on the show a couple weeks ago, but the market recap is it's impossible to guess. It's impossible yeah. to know for sure. But it's Any, fun. Anyone who would have said, hey, Trump's back a year ago that Trump's going to win the election and the stock market's going to like it would have been laughed. I mean, they. they no one would have trusted that opinion. And yet that's what happened. So you can't trust, hey, here's what I'm thinking and feeling today because no one truly knows. Yep. Just to piggyback on that, you know, Kevin, you talked about having equities in your portfolio, which is just another term for having stock market exposure. But I would broaden it even more than that and making sure that you have a globally diversified mix of investments. Don't just have all your dollars here in this U.S. stock market, have uh, exposure to the bond markets and to international markets, knowing that I'm saying that at a time when international investments have been in the toilet for a long time. And yet it still makes sense to diversify that way. Yeah, right. Well, thanks for the question, Judy, even though supposedly it was the wrong one. I know lots of you are thinking thinking it because I get that question all the time. Listen, folks, if you missed anything, check out the podcast on iTunes. You you can subscribe to that and get that every week. Usually comes out the Tuesday after the show. If you have any questions, go to wisemoneyradio.com or check us out on Facebook. On behalf of Josh, Kevin, myself, have a great weekend, folks. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corvoin Financial Group, 95.3 MNC. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.